Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about the impact of Good Friday on my business and my soul. And we've got two of my buddies in the studio today, because why not? It's a vacation day. Everybody else is home and on the beach. So I'm in the studio talking to you, and so I drug two of my friends away from their families to come spend Good Friday late afternoon with me. So we've got Gene Moore with Southern Insurance and Robert Smith with St. John's Hearing Institute. Gentlemen, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. Nice to be here. Thanks, Jim. Nice to be here. <laughs> now I've known. By the right. way, we intend to really make this difficult on you this afternoon. It can, you can't. It, it won't even happen. It, it just you can't make it more difficult than other people have. You guys are live in the studio. Ivan can mute you. It's okay. It's, <laughs> yeah, but Robert and I are really good at giving you a hard time. <laughs> yes, but that's why you're here because I want to have a good time. And but I really want to celebrate, you know, our three lives, the story of our lives, and how Christ made an impact. I mean, it's why we. It's what we celebrate this weekend. Everything about Easter weekend is why. Our lives are different. And I wanted to just celebrate that and talk about that on the air today because it impacts how we work each and every day. And I wanted you guys, first of all, I wanted my friends by my side. Um, I don't have that many. And so the two of you, I, I brought you here. And so I wanted you guys here, but just for us to just, for people to hear your hearts, because it's really a cool thing. But I wanted to read this verse from Mark first, Mark nine thirty one. 
For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they'll kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the impact of that. If Christ had said that and then ended up staying in the grave, we wouldn't be here. If Christ had said that and they really had stolen his body, we wouldn't be here. But because Christ did exactly, that exactly happened. He was murdered. He was crucified. He was buried. And three days later, rose from the dead. And all of those people saw him risen from the dead. Their lives were impacted. And because of those 11 guys, we're here today. And so, and 11 guys, and of course, women followers too. And I'm not going to diminish Mary and Martha and Mary. And I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, of followers there. Because of their testimony, we're here today, 2,000 years later. So let's just start off with what you do, because that'll be the business part of today's conversation, because it's it's important for people to recognize we, three of us business people around the table. We're very busy business people. We're all over the county all day long. What do you do? And then we're going to talk about how Christ fits into that. So, Gene, you start off. What do you do? Well, I'm in the insurance business. I've been a uh, consulting risk manager and a retail agent for going on 35 years now. And uh, we also have a a little side business where we help pastors and other Christian leaders uh, publish books, a little publishing company um, to try and help them get their message out to various people. So it's a service-related activity, both sides. You have fun with it? A blast. I can't can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, rub it in. Rub it in. (laughs) I miss the insurance business each and every day. Robert, what do you do, sir? We uh, rehabilitate people's hearing. Primarily, we visit retirement communities, fit hearing instruments and then teach people how to hear all over again you basically you're reconnecting them to the world Ooh, Ooh. can i use that opening up a new world for them a a what Uh, yeah that's right your new elevator speech no he's got it already he's (laughs) i'm just helping him out a little bit that's all yeah what you just need me a little closer to the microphone can Don't you hear do me? that. Right. <laughs> okay. Ivan, can you mute him when he does stuff like that? Or, yeah, right. be good. Thank you okay. very much. Thanks for having right. us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this listen. what so I, painful for you It is not. Are you really? But did you guys Are call those your other? legs or did you borrow those for today? <laughs> I wear shorts all the time. You're the ones with your shorts or your legs are as white as albino. Okay. Okay. All right. So I thought it would be great today to focus our discussion on how what Christ did on the cross is impacting our lives each and every day. So why is Good Friday significant to you? And keeping in mind, there's all kinds of... I, I, our missionary friends, Jim and Kathy this morning, when, you know, they're like, well, it's not really Happy Good Friday. It's really Happy Good Wednesday. Because they're like, Jesus couldn't have been three days or three nights in the belly of the earth and have died on a Friday and risen on, on a Sunday. So th- there's, there's all of that that because we weren't there, we're never going to have the dates down. But, you know, so... There, if Christ did what he said he was going to do, he was probably in, in the ground more than just two nights. And, you know, what? so anyway, we're celebrating him rising from the dead because it doesn't matter how he died. He rose from the dead, and that's what we're celebrating. So why is this weekend so significant to you? You want to take that, Gene? Sure. All right. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I pointed to Robert. He just passes it over. Okay. Well, it's it's, you know, it becomes significant when you recognize that when we talk about Friday, Sunday's coming. You know, you've heard the, the, the sermon before by Tony Campolo and a number with Friday was the day, the day that Christ died, was the day that their whole world collapsed. The guy that they had followed for so many years, for three years, who had, who had uh, enriched their life, who had taught them. Peter had just finished denying him three times. 
uh, one of the disciples had betrayed him. And all of a sudden, their world is upside down to the extent that they didn't think they could ever recover. Three days later, he's out of the grave. And that's what you walk away from with Good Friday. It's Friday. It's a mess. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know where we're going to go. We don't know how we're going to handle it. It's more than we can deal with. Praise God. Sunday's coming. I went back and listened to that sermon by Tony Campola, and really what he was reproducing was a sermon he had heard at a great black gospel church. Absolutely. And I'd like to hear, I would have liked to hear the black gospel preacher preach it because there's nothing I've ever enjoyed more than when when, when you get a, a black gospel church going, wow, they're having a good time. They are. They're, and go to YouTube. You can find it. Just, just I, No, search. I tried to find it. All I could find it was Tony, Tony Campolo. Yeah, just just go, go in and search on YouTube. You know, Tony Campolo, Sunday's coming. It'll it'll be several versions of a pop-up. Oh, that's cool. Robert, why, why is this weekend so significant to you? Um, did you see The Passion of the Christ? I did. Okay. There's a scene in there where there's a scourging at the pillar. And obviously it's theatrics, but at the same time, my sensationalistic brain is imagining Christ goes down at the pillar and and the camera catches the angle and catches his eye and he gets back up and it's like he's looking through my soul and he says, I love you so much, I'm going to get back up and take more just for you. And greater love is no one than what he shows us there. That's why it's important. Yeah, I, I, it is. Uh, that movie, I, of course, was the absolute best depiction I've ever seen in, in my lifetime, and of what those three or four, those three or four days were like, and uh, fantastic. And it really, those images are burning in my mind. It's not a movie for you to take your little kids to, but it is a movie that every teenage, every Christ-following teenager, actually, every person should read it. Just, could, should see it. But once you've been a Christ follower, you need to see it just to get that into your head. Well, and the thing of it is, in our crazy days, we'll chase anything and anybody looking for love in all the wrong places. And 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 uh, we've been friends for some time now, and I know you love me and I love you, but would you do that for me? Sure I would. Okay. Wow. When we're done, let's go see. Gene, did you bring any tools with you? Don't. No. Nope. All right. That, all right. That's just it's the greatest example of love. That's all? That's it. That's okay. all I got, man. Okay. All right. All right. So let's, your guys' testimonies are cool. Robert, I want you to start off just talking about, just share your testimony and how you came to Christ. Um, spent a lot of years as a drunk and a young age from a teenager to 25 and just realized I was looking for love in all the wrong places, searching dry. And it's just a depiction of what Christ talks about in the gospel is that it do you thirst? I thirsted. I didn't even know what it was for. And um, over a series of invitations from another guy who loved me enough, who kept asking me, are you ready to give your life over to the Lord? I didn't even know what that meant at first. All I knew is that I wanted what he had. And I saw a peace in his heart, a peace that surpasses all understanding, I find later. And that's a short version. But um, so How many years ago was that? Oh, 1990. Fantastic. Well, 92, so, sorry, I apologize. 92, 98. 90, what's the yeah, difference? Yeah, a few so years. 20, 23 years. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, so would you say that your life today is different than your life was 23 years ago? Radically. And is that because you're a really good guy? Oh, yeah, definitely. What'd you say so, Gene? 
no. good guy, but I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> I was born a sinner, and then I got worse. It was ugly. All right, Gene, what about you? How did you come to Christ? Well, I was one of those guys that grew up in the church. I was, I was So you had a drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> Parents drove you to church Sunday, Wednesday. I was, attending, I was attending a Baptist church before I was born. So you're really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you, know, you grow up in the church. You go to, you go to Sunday school. You're, you're in the church nursery. You're in the church kindergarten program. And then you, you go through the, the, the chairs. I first accepted the Lord at age nine. I believe it to be a true conversion. My mom basically walked me through the process. Uh, and then hit my teenage years, and I was still fairly devoted. Again, parents, we were in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Got to college and was still involved, but it was one of those things where it wasn't taking as much root as it should have. And so <clears throat> after I got through with college and got to my first job, I got into a, a real strong Bible-believing church in Winter Park, Florida, and and it really changed my world, rocked my world, because at that point, it was no longer my parents' uh, version of Christianity. It was mine. And it had been mine all along, but I hadn't been paying attention. And basically, it came about because of a church that helped me, but also because I, I started getting mentored by some men that cared about uh, Christian. This particular gentleman uh, was a retired Navy guy that that's really what he did is he mentored young guys and said hey listen it makes a difference how you live your world or how you live your life your world sees you through the world's eyes what are they seeing are they seeing christ in what you're doing makes a difference yeah so would you say that today versus that that time when you really saw radical impact on your life when you as an adult you said no this is what i'm going to do i'm going to make this faith my own Uh, have you seen radical change in your life since then Radical in terms of attitude. Uh, sometimes the execution isn't nearly what it should be. So. I think we all struggle with a little execution. Yeah. I'm a, a big fan of the word progressive sanctification. Every day you're up there taking a, a swing at the pitch. I like to just, I keep it simple because a lot of people, yeah. first of all, when you say progressive, it just makes my skin curl. <laughs> and uh, sanctification. Which we've talked about before. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, and then uh, sanctification, one of those words that a lot of people don't understand, but he's restoring my soul mm-hmm. bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you're talking about. Absolutely. He's restoring my soul because my soul was heavily damaged and piece by piece, day by day, the last 35 years, he's been putting it back together again. I mean, that, that's a cool thing. And we're not going to talk about progressives here. This is not a political show. Okay. But I'm really tempted, especially the week this week where we just you know gave nuclear power to Iran. We should note that in the archives. Mm-hmm. A number one, stupid. Okay, but we're not going to go political. Okay, but what about those people in Arkansas and Indiana with that religious freedom law? Okay, we're not going to go there either. Okay, all right. So listen, how does your faith impact? Well, let's just say, let's start with your marriage. How is your faith impacting your marriage? Robert, you've been married to Pam 20 plus years, right? Yes. Okay. So how, how does your faith impact your, your ability to be a husband and a father? Well, having experience as a drunk and an adulterer and lots of other things that aren't good, um, I know I would have messed it up by now just because of my own sinfulness, because of my own selfishness. And um, having Christ to rely on and having a standard, a, a, an accountability person, if you will, knowing that um, I've got to put him first and her second. And now it seems like if we have a tiff, and if you're out there, honey, I love you, I'm sure we never have tiffs. Sure we do. If we're real. But I can't get out of the driveway. I can't get down the street without stopping and saying, I'm sorry, because I feel Christ tugging at my heart. 
saying, that's not what I want for you. I want better. I want the best for you. I want my best for you. And I forgot. What was the question? Yeah. <laughs> how's, how's your relationship with Christ impact in your marriage? Uh, okay, so you, you, you've got that in your marriage, but the, I want to come back and how it impacted your relationship with children when we come back from our break. All right, we're talking with Gene Moore with Southern Insurance and Robert Smith with St. John's Hearing Institute. Just hearing from their hearts as business people on how Christ has made an impact on their lives. And really, we're doing this because, listen, it's, it's Easter weekend. Without Easter weekend, there's no point to life. Life would be hopeless without Easter. Christmas is really cool, but without Easter, there's no hope. And because we have Easter, we have hope. And we need to be spreading that hope in the workplace. Let's do it a little bit. All right, so Gene, Robert got to share a little bit of how his relationship with Christ has made an impact on his marriage. You've been married to Diane for how many years? Well, 23 years this, this, this month. You guys are both rookies. Wow, okay, all right. So 23 years. All right, so how has it made an impact on your marriage? Well, because I got married, I'm dramatically better off than I ever was because of her. Well, you, 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 we all married up. Yeah. I married way over my head. Amen. Um, I also married a lot later than you guys probably did. I was 38 when I got married. Yeah, I was married. a little kid. I was 19. Yeah. yeah. Um, didn't have my kids until my 40s. So, you know, I was a little late to the party, but I got, it was one of those situations where the Lord finally showed me the one I was supposed to marry. So it was a pretty easy decision after that. Um if, I can't imagine trying to be married if you were not married uh, to a Christian. I can't, it's <laughs> got to be so incredibly hard um, because you have so much in common beyond, um, you know, just the normal stuff that a man and woman would go through. But it's so much more protection from the world as a whole because of it. So that's kind of a glossy way of saying it. You know, I can't imagine being married, not being married to a Christian. It would be. I can't imagine it would be. What, what would you have in common? I mean, it's game and imagine. Not much. All right, listen, it's time for a book highlight segment brought to you, of course, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. This is my world's favorite book that I like to give away about workplace ministry. It's called Halftime. It's written by Bob Buford. In fact, I forced both of these guys to read this book. Are you ready to move into the second half of your life? Bob Buford believes the second half of your life can be better than the first. Much better. But first, you need to, you need time to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. In Halftime, Bob Buford focuses on this important time of transition, the time when, as he says, a person moves beyond the first half of the game of life it's halftime a time of revitalization and for catching a new vision for living the second half a half where life can be lived at its most rewarding instead of chasing un really unparalleled success or, or unrewarding success is a better way to put it and chasing after a life of significance this is the book that turned my life upside down as a business person in 2004 I recommend everybody who's in their 20s excuse me their 30s or their 40s or their 50s if you're a Christ follower in business you need to read this book so Ivan they need to read the book don't they yeah there's no movie coming out alright read the book don't wait for the movie All right, we're back live and in studio right here in St. Petersburg. We're talking with Gene Moore with Southern Insurance and Robert Smith with St. John's Hearing Institute about the impact of the cross on our business lives, our married lives, our fatherhood lives. And we're giving away a copy of Halftime because, listen, without that book, I wouldn't be sitting behind this microphone. Of course, the scriptures are the most impactful book I've ever read, and I've read it 35 times, but Halftime gave me a perspective that I never heard behind the pulpit. So call in right now. Get a copy of this. 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Robert, you read Halftime. Yes. What, what did you think? Did it impact your life? Yes. Anything more than that? 
No. Thanks, Gene. <laughs> you don't remember reading it. I made Gene read this 18 months ago. You don't even remember reading it now. I do remember reading it now. I, the thing that I took away from it that I thought was interesting was that um, we see so very often that in our 30s and 40s, we're clawing and scratching and digging and constantly gutting it out. And then, hey, you get a chance to do it over and do it right. Gene, we were about before the break talking about how your uh, life in crisis impacted your marriage. You got a chance to a little share about that. But, Robert, I wanted to keep your shoes on in the studio. This is a small room, Robert. Oh, come on. All right. So, listen, how has your life with Christ impacted your relationship with your children? Wow. You know, Christ knows our deepest need, our deepest need to be forgiven. When you're a red-blooded male American, you are uh, have a tendency to be selfish. Not Gene, not you, but me. And uh, when I left my first wife, and obviously if you know anything about divorce, it kills. And it kills kids. And obviously it creates a separation between a father who's selfish, runs off, and his children that he leaves who are, are six and two at the time. When Christ met me where I was, and I was able to say, I'm a sinner, will you forgive me? And I was able to break and be broken and be honest and look in the mirror and go, ugh, I need you. Um, it's an amazing thing. It just it just starts a domino effect. And the next thing you know is your heart as your heart opens and, and Christ forgives you and you start to be able to live in forgiveness, you can create an environment of love. And through that, I've been able to reconcile with my kids from that time. And uh, not only that, but I'm hoping, Bert, if you're out there, baby, we're hoping uh, to see you in about a month. My uh, oldest gal just got married, and we love you, Abby, and Dan very much. And all I can say is there's absolutely, positively no way I would have been reconciled to these kids had Christ not broken my heart, forgiven me. And showed me what resurrection was about, at least a glimpse. Hmm. Gene, what about you? You've got uh, you got one that's twenty, right? Your son is twenty. Nineteen. Nineteen, and your daughter's like seventeen, right? Sixteen. Say, so, well, that's pretty close. I got it. I wasn't even close. Okay, so <laughs> as 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 a, as a dad of teenagers, which that's always super easy, anyway. Uh, how has your life of Christ, life with Christ impacted your relationship with them? Well, it's not so much how it's impacted me. It's that. Every day my prayer is, Lord, let those around me, including my kids, see Christ through my life. Uh, you know, early on, you, as, as you live a Christian life, you recognize that uh, being a dad, is you're, you have a role as a steward. You, the fact of the matter is, we, we have a tendency to talk about our kids as a, in, a, in a sense of possessions. They're, they're not. You're just helping, hopefully, shepherd and guide them for a period of time before they. It's all you off. get. A period of time, and it's really time. short. It, the you know, the days are long, and the years go by fast. So it's one of those situations where you're just hoping that you, you know, they see uh, they see Christ through your life. They see Christ through the way that you treat their mother. You see Christ through the way that uh, you treat your clients and those other people. And Diane and I have been very very lucky. We we decided very early on to homeschool. Both the kids have been homeschooled. They're both college. Uh, Zachary, the oldest, is in college, uh, full-time now. Olivia's dual enrolled. She's doing part-time college, part-time still homeschool. So we've had the opportunity to spend a whole lot of time with them that a lot of folks don't get. And, uh, you know, so it's it makes for a much richer experience uh, in terms of everything. Something you said, and this is something that Martha and I and mentoring go through a lot, and Robert, I know you and I have talked about this, is that as Christ-following husbands and fathers— 
we have the opportunity to set the standard for our children to what to look for in a spouse. And if on how we treat our wives, it, number one, is an example for our sons on how he should treat his wife and for our daughters on the kind of man she should be looking for to treat her. And, and again, not enough emphasis is brought on that in the church, uh, in the body of Christ. And we don't talk about it enough because the impact, you know, just as you said, Robert, before Christ, you left your kids, you didn't think about, but, but divorce kills. I mean, I, I am tired of people going through divorces saying, well, the kids are resilient. They'll be fine. That's the That's biggest load of bull crap I've yeah. ever heard. And yes, yeah. I just said that yeah. on Christian radio yeah. because Christ would probably use stronger. He'd probably have greater, stronger words than our swear words to say, because it's a lie. It's a bold faced fat lie. Divorce is destructive to kids, and Martha and I are mentoring kids that are 30 and 40 who are still suffering the impact of that divorce because they haven't had the opportunity to reconcile with their father like you've had the opportunity to do with your kids. So it's such a great word that you said, Gene, that we've got to recognize that role. What a privilege it is to set the standard for our children. Now, they don't always have to listen to our standard. They know what we did, but they still have the choice to say, you know what? Yeah, but I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to learn. <laughs> we'll do it my way. That worked for us, right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I tell Zach and Olivia now, I said, you know, you stopped learning from me specifically in terms of how to do things a while back. At this point, all I'm really trying to do is give you an opportunity for a net bat. She likes to tease me. Olivia doesn't say, well, you mean a bat em up, Dad? No, darling, I mean a net bat. Yeah. I want you to get up to the plate. I want you to take a swing at the pitch. Yeah, no. That's what it's like from here on. All right, so let's talk about how your Christ-following lives, how, how the impact of Easter makes a daily impact on your workplace. You know, and Robert, I'm going to start with you just because I, I got to hear your little Easter uh, uh, homily. Uh, no, it was longer than a homily. <laughs> Mm, sermon. It was a sermon, Easter sermon today at your monthly meeting at St. John's. Uh, I was working on some uh, some business stuff behind the scenes, and I got to hear Robert share the gospel in multiple different fashions and tie it into business. So, Robert, how, as a, as a Christ-following business owner, as you have been learning on how to incorporate your faith into every aspect of your business, how is it making an impact on what you do each and every day? First of all, actually... You started teaching me how to love my employees. Had I not loved Christ first, had he not loved me first, I couldn't have had ears to hear that message from you. And day after day, month after month, and now headed into year after year, I'm learning to love those people one at a time for who they are. Not perfectly, but and and now they're open to hear and, and most well actually probably over half our staff a great deal of our staff are believers but the cool part is not all of them are yeah yet today you commissioned some missionary friends of ours that are going to go to a foreign country and we we we're, we prayed over them we've been training them for a month which you know they needed six months of training but they had a month worth of time and you said okay we're going to pray for these guys and, and you said okay let's all hold hands and everybody held hands and and there's some decidedly non-christ followers in your staff decide everybody closed their eyes and everybody prayed and nobody looked at you like why are you doing this they all respect your faith because they know what you're living is real and they lived i loved it that prayer was powerful because everybody participated everybody said amen i don't know if you caught that but everybody said amen the christ followers and non-christ followers they all said it and and they were it was i it was cool it was cool to participate in that we want what christ has and sometimes we just have to step out and allow ourselves to accept it. 
Jim, what about you? In your workplace, what, what are you, how does your faith impact what you do and how you treat your employees, you know, just in your, in your day-to-day? Uh, how is it impacting, your faith impacting your workplace? Well, part of our logo is a, a picture of a cross, and underneath it it says the ultimate insurance policy. You know, that's you wow. see that on our I didn't t-shirts. see that. I'm sorry, I didn't see that that's yet. That's okay. You haven't given Robert a shirt yet, I guess. I guess I haven't given Robert a shirt yet. Um, Extra large. Okay, we got one. Um, and so, you know, that's part of the culture, um, I believe. We talk. Um, they've seen me, uh, when clients come in, they've seen me uh, lead people to the Lord. It hasn't happened as many times as it should, but if I get the shot, I take the shot. Um, the overall culture of the office is lower key because we don't have this. We're working for something different than, than you know, the bottom line. Um, and so I, it's, it's part of the culture. They, all of them are believers. Um, and so it's, you know, it's been a blessing to be able to be in a workplace where, where you've got fellow believers around you all day long. So you... And you've been in the insurance. I mean, how long has Southern Insurance been around? About 15 years. Okay. So the whole 15 years, you've been in business for yourself. You, uh, you've been a Christ follower, a solid Christ follower. You've been married, had kids. You've been, and you've had some pretty long-time employees. Um, yeah, um, we, we do. Most of the people, I've, I've never lost an employee um, that's been a service person. I had, I had a salespeople person come and go but he got out of the insurance business he decided it wasn't for him so it's tough business to get in but once you get addicted it's pretty you got to stay in there it's fun serving people i mean it's the greatest way to serve people Uh, get to get to share your your um, your heart and it's one of those things where you can say to them look we're going to talk about the reality of what's going on we're going to talk about do you want to do this with different reasons than because you're looking for something else and that it's a natural progression and some other stuff. I got two of my buddies in here today, two fantastic business people. Robert Smith with St. John's Hearing Institute and Gene Moore with Southern Insurance. Just sharing how the impact of the cross, what the impact of the cross, how it's impacted them personally, their marriages, their fatherhood, and now, and we talked about business. Now we're going to just hear from their hearts on words they have for other Christ-following business owners. When, when you guys run into other Christian business people, uh, what are some of the things you would like to be able to tell them, but you're not sure they would always listen? So now we got a big audience. We've got a couple thousand people listening now and a couple thousand people that will listen in the future to archives and on iTunes. What are some of the things you'd like to say to them, Gene? Well, you know, it's like everything else in life. Take, take a step. Don't make it a big one. Just take a step. Do something that changes what you're doing 1%. That's all. Try it. See what happens. What do you mean? Well, this concept that we need to make changes in our life is pretty straightforward, especially from a business perspective. We're constantly trying to grow. We're constantly trying to figure out a better way. We're constantly trying to improve. Continuous improvement is the mantra of the day. Well, our relationship with Christ, especially as a business person, can can work sometimes in the same way. If, If you have concerns about the way that you're leading your business from a perspective, change 1% and see what happens. And if that goes well and that's what you want to do and the Lord's leading you to do that, change another 1%. Pretty soon you'll find that you're not looking at just 1% plus 1%. You're looking at an exponential change. And, you know, it's the classic eat the elephant one bite at a time. Take a step up to the plate and take a swipe. You know, take it at a bat. It's just, you know, you've got to start somewhere that's as good as any. Mm. Robert, what about you? When you think of how your faith applies to your workplace and, and things you'd like to be able to say to Christ-following business owners, what, what are some of the things you'd like to say? 
I would like to encourage uh, ladies and gentlemen out there to stay in the Word. First thing in the morning, maybe you can't spend a half hour to an hour, but I hope you can in the future because the Scripture says, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And to go with Gene's 1% theory, if you start reading a verse a day, if you're not already in the Word every day, and keep kicking it up until you're spending time with God, because when you do, He'll give you feet like a deer. You'll be able to scale that wall He talks about in the Psalms. And we need that, not just the armor of God, but we need everything, all of His Word we can soak up and put in our heart. So when we do hit temptation or conflict or obstacles that seem insurmountable, we serve an unstoppable God who specializes in things called impossible. Yeah, when things seem impossible, that that's a movement of God usually in our lives. Wow, this is going to be impossible. In order for this to happen, it's going to be impossible. That is a perfect opportunity for the God possible moment. I, mean, I love seeing that because when people tell me this, there's no way this could happen. I said that's perfect. Now you're not going to be. A, now you're not going to have a chance to screw it up. Just let God do this. That's exactly what the apostles were feeling like on the Friday when Christ died. It's impossible. <laughs> there is no way for us to come back from this. I'm going to steal your. I imagine show here it for was. A I imagine it was a little rough. Well, you were steal it quickly, sir. Second, um, get a mentor. You coming in my life four years ago. Um, I call you the butt kicker, the Nehemiah of my life. I needed that. You said that. butt on my radio show. I'm sorry, Lynn. She's the butt police person, the language police. Here's the deal. Sometimes you can't see things from the proper perspective. Having a mentor in your life is going to help you see another perspective that we need badly as male in America. Sometimes it's so hard to be able to see, does this behavior reflect Christ or not? We need other people in our lives to tell us, yeah, it doesn't. Who will tell you the truth, by the way. Yeah, somebody that, that has nothing to gain from it, and so will just tell you the truth. And, and here's the cool thing. As a Christ-following business owner, I have screwed up an awful lot. I have... I have um, you? I have mistreated Did employees. Did he say what I thought he said? Yeah, I'm finishing up the show now. It's time. Uh, I, I have mistreated right, employees. I've said some bad. things. Yeah, I do want it that okay, bad. Okay, go ahead. It, it is... Uh, but here, the good news about being a Christ-following business owner is that you can apologize, you can ask forgiveness, and you can move on, and I love that. Hey, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show, and I really wanted to encourage you to become part of the I Work For Him nation. Take the challenge to start praying for the people in your office each and every day and start looking for ways to pray with them in your office. There's just so much more love for you to do, but just start with that step. And let me know you want to start with that step by going onto the I Work For Him website and going on the Contact Us page and letting me know, Jim, I want to be part of the I Work For Him nation. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 